The Hamlet Podcast, episode 47. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Macbeth with me, your host, Connor Hanretty. This week's episode is the conclusion of our coverage of this wild scene of witchcraft and royal flattery. The witches and Hecate have vanished into the air again, like bubbles, and now that he's alone, Macbeth is left wondering where they've gone. He says... Where are they? Gone? Let this pernicious hour stand I accursed in the calendar. Come in without there. Macbeth has seen the witches vanish before, but now he's annoyed that they've escaped from him again. He probably had even more questions for them. In his anger, he calls for this moment, this hour, on this day, to be marked in the calendar as cursed. The word pernicious is a great one, meaning harmful or dangerous. Shakespeare's quite fond of it, but usually uses it to describe people. Here he's trying to mark this date and time as one of ill omen, to be remembered. In Elizabethan and then Jacobean England, it was quite common to have almanacs and calendars marked with auspicious or ill-omened days, and so Macbeth clearly wants this troublesome, witchy day added to the list. And now he calls, come in, without there, to the attendant he left off stage, out of earshot, during his encounter with the witches. Turns out he's calling to Lennox, who now enters and asks, what is your grace's will? It's a fairly innocent-sounding question, but it's curious that it's Lennox who appears now, since we so recently saw him testing the waters in the previous scene, chatting to the Lord about their suffering country and the grim events befalling people under Macbeth's rule. Obviously Lennox is smart enough to keep in the king's good graces before he decides to do anything else. Macbeth is eager to know if Lennox saw or heard anything, and asks, Saw you the weird sisters? Lennox has been off stage the entire time, and so we can assume Lennox is telling the truth when he answers, No, my lord. Macbeth now asks a brilliantly confusing question. Came they not by you? If the witches haven't flown off the stage, and with the best will in the world, this is rather hard to achieve, presumably they might have gone out through the same stage door through which Lennox just entered. It might also be that whatever blasted heath or underground cave or wherever else they are, they might have passed him on their way out. And it might also just be funny to have Macbeth wondering how Lennox didn't see them, as surely they had to pass him as he was preparing to enter. Whatever the story is, Lennox stays discreet and assures Macbeth that he didn't see anything. He says, No, indeed, my lord. Macbeth is full of curses now, and having already doomed the date, he now shouts, Infected be the air whereon they ride, and damned all those that trust them. I did hear the galloping of horse, who was it came by? The witches themselves had used infected and blasted items in their horrible potion. Macbeth is speaking their language now, echoing them, He repeats the assumption that witches can fly, hoping that the very air on which they have presumably flown away, or are riding, will be infected. Interestingly, he also damns all those that trust them. 
despite the fact that he himself is one of those people. He certainly trusts the witches and is prepared to believe everything he's just been told. But he keeps things moving and now asks for news. He heard the galloping of a horse. Presumably someone else has arrived, and Lennox explains, "'Tis two or three, my lord, that bring you word Macduff is fled to England.' Two or three men have arrived with this news. Seems a lot of staff for such a small piece of information. But perhaps Scotland is getting too dangerous for anyone to ride alone. And this is big news, too. We heard already that Macduff was going to England, but now this information has reached the king. This is an instance of the play's timeline being a little bit sketchy, since Macbeth already hinted that he had a spy in every household so it's confusing that this should be new information. But it is, and he echoes Lennox, repeating, fled to England. And Lennox confirms, aye, my good lord. So Macduff is doing what we all knew he was planning to do. The dramatic reason for mentioning him here is that Macbeth has just been so emboldened by the witch's revelations. Now it's all the more interesting to see a mention of Macduff, because Macbeth feels he is invincible and that Macduff is no longer an equal. Or a threat. His response is chilling. Time thou anticipatest my dread exploits. The flighty purpose never is o'ertook unless the deed go with it. From this moment... The very firstlings of my heart shall be the firstlings of my hand. And even now, to crown my thoughts with act, be it thought and done, the castle of Macduff I will surprise, seize upon Fife, give to the edge of the sword his wife, his babes, and all unfortunate souls that trace him in his line. No boasting like a fool, this deed I'll do before this purpose cool but no more sights. Where are these gentlemen? Come, bring me where they are. Earlier in the play, Macbeth was almost derailed by overthinking. He worried if it were done when tis done, twere well it were done quickly. Now he seems less concerned with consequences and things being done or not done, and reckons that immediate action will be his new M.O., Things will indeed need to be done quickly, lest they lose their intensity. He's excited that Macduff has gone away. He feels as though time is on his side, anticipating his own planned actions. And not just any actions. He himself calls them dread exploits. Things are going to get very nasty indeed. The flighty purpose, this is the wisp of an idea or a purpose, will never come to pass unless accompanied by action. The deed must go with it. No more only thinking about things, in other words. Words to the heat of deeds too cold breath gives. Now Macbeth is saying that he'll be acting immediately. From this moment, the very firstlings, the merest notions in his heart, will be the firstlings of his hand. As soon as he thinks something, he will do it. And he proceeds to tell us such a thought live in the moment. Even now, he says, to crown my thoughts with acts, be it thought and done. He says he is going to surprise the castle of Macduff. Given that we've been told three times now that Macduff is gone to England, 
This is going to be a bloody move, since he's clearly planning to attack everyone else who's left at home without Macduff to protect them. Lest there be any doubt, he explains in more detail. He is going to kill Macduff's wife, his children, and all the unfortunate souls that trace him in his line, or are part of his family. Macbeth has been so haunted by the escape of Fleance and the worry of Banquo's line surviving, he has learned his lesson. None of Macduff's line can survive. They'll all be put to the sword. We get a rhyming couplet as though to confirm this grim resolution. Macbeth says, There'll be no more boasting like a fool. This deed he'll do before his purpose cool. Again, words will give way to deeds and thoughts to action. Now that Macbeth feels so invincible, there'll be no stopping him. But since he's so happy with the prophecies he's given, he doesn't want any more. No more sights, he says. He's seen enough. Now that we've had this frightening look at what he's planning, Macbeth makes way to go and speak with these messengers. He concludes the scene asking Lennox where the gentlemen are. Come, bring me where they are. And the two exit. And that's the end of Act 4, Scene 1. Macbeth has just now told us what is going to happen next, and with extreme economy, Shakespeare takes us to Fife in the very next scene, for one of the darkest and cruelest episodes of the play. We are about to meet Lady Macduff, but we'll save her entrance for the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and do be sure to check out the website, thehamletpodcast.com, for notes and texts and bonus features galore. I'll be back this time next week with another episode, and I hope you'll join me then.